Welcome to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. We're going to go to 1 Kings. I'm going to look at chapter 2, take some text from there, and developing a thought. Um, if you'll allow me to give you as much as I can um, by direction of the Lord uh, this morning and then throughout some more uh, weeks in this summer, we're going to look at a, a series called Fathers, Sons, and Brothers. Fathers, sons, and brothers. Who here had a great dad? You had an awesome dad. Wave at me so I can see it. Because I start looking over here, and by the time I get there, their hands kind of come out. So keep waving. You had a great dad. Al, I love your story about your stepdad, who was as good a dad to you as any dad could be. When you tell me that story, you've shared different components of that. I just find that amazing. Sometimes when a person's got a stepdad or an adoptive father, um, they, they wonder if I'm saying about them too, and I'm saying whoever the father was in your life, whoever the dad was in your life. Who's ever had one again? Wave at me one more time. Who had a dad that just wasn't present and there was a struggle? Um, who had a dad that was present but was the struggle? How many of you have sons? Who ha- any, any of you men have sons? And ladies, you have sons, that's right. So fathers, sons... Um, They are, you love your sons, you kiss them, you spank them, (laughs) as long as they're yours. (laughs) Now, I can tell you that my father did not play right. My dad didn't play right. You know what I mean? My dad told my uncle, Richard, Dwayne and I share, Uncle Uncle Dick was his name, and our uncle, um, and it would have been for your dad too, but your dad was just so loving. He just didn't obey my dad when it come to, if my boys don't behave themselves at your house, spank them. And Uncle Dwayne would go, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do it because I'm just going to love him. He was the lover. <laughs> but my uncle took my dad up on it. I just want you to know I got some lickings from my uncle. That's just wrong. But let's not talk about what I did to get the licking. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> See, something about bottle rocket war, me and Rick on one side of the field in Oil City, and Mike and Philip losing on the other side of the field, and we fired off more bottle rockets than they could, although Mike and Philip caught the field on fire and it was burning, it looked like hell had manifested there in the field across from the church beside my uncle's house. But it was, it was Mike and Philip that started that fire. But for some reason, my britches were on fire after a while. They, whew, I'm just telling you right now how it is. Fathers, sons, brothers. Anybody got a brother? 
The Ingalls are in the house today. Can I get woo woo? <laughs> and so are the Skiles. And I mean, I'm looking around and I see all these brothers. Now, Dwayne was more a brother than a cousin, although we're cousins. I mean, there was just a bunch of us cousins all born in that same time frame. And so, brothers. How many of you, you love your brother now, but there was a time where you thought you might go to hell because <laughs> you didn't love your brother as much? <laughs> Anybody? Joe raised his hand. Can I tell you why? Because there was this one particular day when Mike and I were having a fuss. Can you say fuss? On steroids, we were fighting over who got which boy. The, all the other brothers are younger. So this one particular day, uh, Mike had Joe by the feet, was it? And I had you by the head of the hair. And we were playing tug of war, or was it the other way around? Who had what? Does it matter? But he was being stretched and he never grew beyond that moment. It had a reverse effect on him. Brothers. Sometimes brothers, I mean, they will fuss. I know brothers who will fight each other, but let someone else say something about their brother. And that, that's scrapping words right there. That will throw down. Now you're going to get a whooping and a licking. Are you hearing me? Brothers. So fathers, sons, and brothers, and I want to take some time by unction of the Holy Spirit to develop uh, some messages that he's, that's in my heart about how these relationships are so important. And ladies, the reason why this is important for you is because your husband, your sons, your brothers need to understand these messages and you can be a witness and bear forth the word to them as well. No one is too old. No one is too young. No one is too old. No one is too young. First Kings 2. Now in the days, when the days of David drew near to the end that he should die, and he charged Solomon, his son, saying these words, I go the way of all the earth. Did I not tell you where I was going earlier? 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. When the days of David drew near that he should die, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore. Prove yourself a man. I promise you, I feel no unction to get through all my notes today. I promise you I want to say what Holy Ghost has to say. Prove yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. February the 13th, 1987, my mother had the wherewithal while we were all walking in faith to believe my father would recover from his illness, an illness that now is routinely cured, a cancer that is routinely cured. But at that point, knowledge and medicine had not increased. And while we were believing God for his healing, mother had the wherewithal, and one by one she brought her sons before her husband that he might bless them. That he might bless them. 
I was young and dumb. I did not want to hear any words from him in that moment. I was try was I was on the precipice of losing all faith. And I thought that if he tells me his blessing, I would have to acknowledge his departure. I'm a little older now and not as dumb as I used to be. You don't know everything in the moment. You don't know everything in the moment. And stop trying to convince everybody else that you have faith when really you're in a moment of a faith challenge. My father began to speak words of blessing and I remember some of it, but I was crying so hard because I was faced with this possibility that he may go to be with his maker and creator and go the way of all the world, all the earth. He may not be with us much longer. The moment was tender and precious on his part. On my part, it was filled with tears and sobs and a struggle to hear the blessing. Although I heard some and my mom remembered some, I missed out on some. It would require my heavenly father to utter words in the course of my life. It would be after my father's body would be put away for safekeeping and I had wrongly placed part of my heart in that grave and you know the story of sonship now if you've been here for a little while. My heavenly father would begin to write a message by speaking words into my life. So every time I see this passage of scripture that David as he drew near to the end of his life called Solomon his son saying I go the way of all the earth be strong and prove yourself a man there are a lot of guys trying to prove manhood that's the it's the epitome of being a wuss do I need to grow a full beard it'd take me a year but I can say it again there are some men thinking that what they're doing is showing manhood but they're wuss they're wussified they're they're wimped out acting rude to people and situations your bride your mother <laughs> whomever the, the little clerk at the grocery store who won't get it done as quickly as you want that's the wussification of men today when David said be a man he understood fully we're talking about the the, the old man who when he was a kid killed a bear and a lion to protect another man's property did you hear what I said you know this man had a right to say be a man prove yourself a man because he had proven himself to be a man he would fail in manhood got his eyes in the wrong direction because he wasn't where he should be David sinned when he sinned because it was that time of life when all kings go out to war but he stayed at the castle and didn't go out and do what he should be doing 
Again, David said, keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes and his commandments, his judgments and his testimonies. There's a lot there maybe we can break out another time. As it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So what makes a man? It's been a long time since a man was allowed to be comfortable with his masculinity. Can I get an amen from a woman? I look right now in the news and I see women who are trying to suppress masculinity and take it on themselves. Stop it. In the words of Bob Newhart, just stop it. It's been a long time. There's a lot of men who just are too afraid to just stand up and be a man. They're afraid they're going to get pointed at and say, you are a, let's see, I'm try, I was trying to get it written in my notes. Cisgender male, is that the term? Not cis as in sissy, but as in you're just too stuck at being just a man. Last time I checked, every human born's got parts. Can I lean in on this one for just a minute? If the doctor and nurse can look at you at your birth and identify your parts, they've spent a lot of money and gone to school. They're scientists. And they indicate that your parts are either male or female. Believe them. Are you getting political, Pastor Dan? No, I'm just not a wuss. I could have used an amen from a male voice right there. We just, we need to, we need to make a decision here. God ordained you. Trouble, struggle, people, ornery, hateful jerks. Folk do all kinds of crazy mess to confuse individuals. God was never confused when he was making you. You miss your assignment when you change things. Does that sound mean? I'm not a wuss. Love says, love has a plan for your life. Stick with the plan. Why? Because your greatest success is in his plan. But he loves you enough, he'll let you do whatever the heaven you want. It might not get you to heaven, but you can do it. Why? Because he said, when I made them, I gave them a command to have dominion. If they want his dominion, Satan, you can have it. If you want my dominion, come on, son, come on, daughter, I got a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get real strong in here in just a minute. Our culture has struggled with the meaning of manhood for decades now. But what, what just, what makes a man? What makes a man? What makes a man a man? What are the qualities of manhood? What should we consider masculine features? When you hear the term man, what images does it conjure up in, in your mind? What is the strength and the splendor of true God-ordained, anointed manhood. 
to answer that, you got to come back to these four pillars of manhood, which will connect to the four pillars of a man's heart. The measure of a man according to God's yardstick is this, that a man of vision and character has the pillar called king. Every man's called to be a king. Every man is called to walk in strength and power and be a warrior. Not a warrior, but a warrior. It starts with his words, the ability to drive the enemy far away from his wife and his children and his house and his church. A warrior who stands fast, guards his home against all kinds of corruption. Go ahead, preacher. Preacher. There's another pillar I think we need. You may have heard some of this before, but I got something for you that's really fresh. The other pillar is the a man of faith and wisdom is a mentor. I know a lot of men who can't mentor themselves, let alone anyone else. Maybe that's the reason why they can't mentor anyone else, because they haven't self-mentored or discipled. And then there's a man of heart and love, and he's a friend. These four pillars are king, warrior, mentor, friend. And a man is built upon the rock Christ Jesus, and because he's established on sure foundation, these four pillars hold up his being and his personification, who he is as a man, and his home, whether it be a teepee or a mansion. I have a friend in Michigan. He told his wife one day, I want to live in northern Michigan for a year in a teepee. Now, she knew him to be an excellent hunter and provider. He loved the outdoors and spent many, many weeks camping. And she said, well, how do we work out? He already had a plan, but he asked her permission. She looked at him and said, it's the right time in life to do it. Let's do it. He built this huge teepee like you would see on a true reservation. He built it in such a way that inside is where they would stay. And they were there, Michigan now, they were there winter, spring, summer, and fall. <laughs> Burning lots of fire to keep them warm, you know. He hunted, he fished. They still could go and make phone calls, and, and it, was, it was just about time some cell phones were coming out. It was a little while ago, a couple decades ago. But I, I thought, what a woman. To not be afraid that her husband just wanted this one time. It was his dream. Why did a woman say yes to leaving all the comforts of life and go do that? Because her husband in her life had been a king, warrior, mentor, friend. She wasn't afraid. She knew he would protect her, she would be safe, and it would be an adventure. She said, now I'm telling you right now, I was glad when I had a bathtub of my own again and didn't have to go down to the hotel or the creek. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yes, he let her use soap. He used soap. She required it. Are you hearing me? They still would take clothes to the laundromat because there's just some things. Some of your drawers need to be washed in a washing machine. Come on, somebody. She loves you, 
But when she picks it up and throws it in the washing machine, that's one thing. But to think she's going to go down to the riverbank and scrub your drawers, you ought to know something different right there. Nobody said amen on that. You kind of giggle, but come on, somebody. You wouldn't want to make her mad that day. There's a little poison oak over here. A man of vision and character is a king. A man of strength and power is a warrior. A man of faith and wisdom is a mentor. A man of heart and love. He's a friend. It's on these four pillars of manhood that literally this small civilization that we call a home and a family, they either stand or they fall on that rock. It takes these four pillars to hold up the building of his house, his life, a church. These four pillars are the strong points of a man's heart. So today I want to ask you just to visit with me a little bit about this measure of a man and these four pillars. And I'm going to go for just a little ways in this part of the lesson in the series called Camelot. The King of Camelot. Gentlemen, have you ever watched any of the King Arthur movies? Did you ever see any of the, who, who saw the, the, the movie about King Arthur that was the, um, the musical? Um, what was his name? Richard Harris. And didn't also Richard Burton, didn't he also do a portrayal and sing? Oh, when I think about when I think about these men who sang and presented pictures and images of Camelot, I, I'm drawn back to Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. Jesus speaking says, he called them to himself, his disciples. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. In other words, Gentile rulers lord over their people. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Let he who wants to be great become a servant. Verse 27, and whosoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. You know that in this world, kings are tyrants and officials lord over the people beneath them. But among you, it shall be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even I, the son of man, came, not, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. So... When I look at the story of Camelot and King Arthur, it just has these neat images, doesn't it? Pristine, pure rivers, gentle breezes, stable homes, safe pathways winding between the scenes of neighborhoods. Can you see it with me? Children at play, happy citizens in Camelot. Poets called it the kingdom of summer. <laughs> it was the kingdom at peace, not a kingdom of peace but a kingdom at peace. So that musical, there's that one phrase in that one song that says, in short, there's simply not a more congenial spot 
for happily ever aftering then in Camelot. Camelot was the picture of this amazing place to care and raise for your children. And why was Camelot wonderful? Because the king made it wonderful. His name was what? Sir Arthur Pendragon, son of who? Don't be given this new King Arthur's sword too hard a time. The dude that plays Arthur just does a, I like the way he just presents that strong, can't sing worth anything, but hey, Camelot. Look at your neighbor and say, Camelot. Every man needs to provide a Camelot for his bride, and for his children. It was he who delivered to his people this paradise, his courage, his cunning. He was a warrior. He drove back the raiding Saxon hordes into the sea. His skills as a negotiator united all the little petty regional kings and kingdoms. He ended the constant bloodshed. And for the first time since the Roman, Roman legions had marched, he brought the old Roman colony of Britannia under a single glorious banner. His leadership seemed nearly divine, not quite, but nearly divine. It was kind of like a heaven on earth under his rule. So as long as Arthur occupied the throne and he rode the king's highways with his companions known as the Knights of the Round Table, life was secure and carefree and, and, and fulfilling. And when the king was in his castle, the kingdom breathed a collective sigh of contentment. The king is on the throne. Is the king on the throne of your heart today? Only the sounds of warfare that could, the only sounds of warfare that could be heard were those jousting matches. Young men, these young knights and wannabes having their, their, their battles in those festivals and celebrating dents on their armor. The, the sounds that disturbed the night were the trampling sounds of centurions as they were on the castle walls with an occasional in the distance all is well. I don't know if they sang very well, but you know, all is well. It was not a sound of struggle. It was a sound of peace. You can't hardly turn the TV on today and hear a sound of peace. My wife, the queen of my castle, on occasion walks over to the television with a smile and goes, peace, be still. Shikamo shy, don't pass it by. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free.